continuing on in our lesson on prayer. And uh, we may just be in this this whole year on Tuesday nights. And uh, learning how to pray. Uh, I'm convinced I'm still learning. And there's something that's interesting that's happening in me in this that uh, I really enjoy and what God's doing and, and just more of an awareness and a sensitivity and an understanding. Uh, and, and part of tonight I'm going to tie into Sunday morning and Sunday morning I, there was a whole different direction I was going to go uh, this Sunday um, for where we're at as our church and what we're doing and what God's doing and just sharing some things with us as a congregation. But Sunday morning in service... Uh, I just really felt the Spirit of God direct me in teaching on our Father and uh, ministering a lesson. So it's just been pumping in me for this coming Sunday. So we're going to be ministering on our Father. And if we ever make that connection, you personally, if I can get you my prayer uh, for you to understand, to get you from God, to go from God to Father is a quantum leap. To get you from God to Father yes. is a quantum leap. It's a transition. And uh, so uh, Sunday morning we'll be ministering on our Father, knowing God as my Father. And uh, it's interesting, tonight we'll just touch on a little bit, and we'll do just a few moments of review. But uh, if you start going through scriptures, even in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, you go through the Sermon on the Mount 16 times, Jesus references the Father. Now Jesus is, He came as the Son of God. How many believe God is His Father? He is God's Son. And so you are now in Christ. So what does that make God to you? Your Father. Amen. As real as the Father is to Christ, He is to you. And so, for too much, Christianity in relationship with God is too impersonal. God is so personal. And what He has invited you into is this amazing personal relationship with Him. And if it ever gets personal, it'll change everything about your prayer life and your walk with God, everything. Amen. Are we doing all right? Okay. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, how many know many of the times we say things because we don't know what else to say? I believe that statement right there, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. Now, look, Jesus is praying, his disciples are there. He finishes praying and then say, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, like John did. Because... This everything that Jesus is doing that they're experiencing with him is totally sideways to everything they had been raised to know. Okay? When Jesus came 
out of the wilderness, went back to Nazareth, went in the temple on the Sabbath, as was his custom. They give him the book. He opens up to, you know, Isaiah and declares, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach to God, da 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 and goes through the whole litany of what the anointing is for. And then he says, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. They're going, What? Nobody says this stuff. And then every time he would preach, people say, oh, he preaches with authority, not like one of the scribes or the Pharisees. From where is he getting this power? By what name, by what authority are you doing? So everything he did was contrary to what they were used to. So the disciples are with him. They're listening to him pray, and they know they need what he has. But not knowing how to ask, you know, could you do that thing John did? So sometimes our questions we mean well, we just don't phrase it all right. How many have had that, felt, felt that way with God? You're trying to say things, trying to make the request. But the reality is, is that at least they were bold enough to ask for help. And what we have to fight, the longer we walk with God, sometimes it only takes about 30 minutes for somebody to get religious. About, after about 45 minutes, you're really religious. <laughs> after about an hour, you might be beyond help. Amen. But it's so natural for us to become religious and to have forms and to have patterns. How many would like to have a conversation with somebody in relationship the way we had conceived our relationship with God? Now, most of the time, we're too impersonal. We don't know what his will is. We, you know, we say we love him. I just don't know if God loved me. We have all these questions, all these doubts about him. And that person, you're trying to affirm to them how much you love them. Well, how do I know you love me? I just don't know. You know, I, you never do anything for me. How many, how many know what I'm saying? It just gets there. I go, what? And so we don't, we don't have relationships with people like that, and we get this totally different relationship. And Jesus came and showed us that we are like God, and God, you came from him just like you came from your parents. You came from God. Your spirit, your life comes from God. You, you, your DNA, spiritual DNA is his DNA. Amen. If we chase you back, you go back to God. (laughs) What's your heritage? God, glory to God. Amen. Other people in the mix, but glory to God, he's in there. I said, Lord, teach us to pray. Look what he says, verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say what? Our Father. Not our God. Now, I do a lot. I hear, I, I, I listen a lot as a pastor. I listen to myself, I listen to others, but I listen a lot. And I listen to people say, God, Lord God, God, Lord God, God, Lord God, when they pray. And it's amazing how seldom people say Father when they pray. How seldom they start their prayer and they pray to their father. In the gospel of John, Jesus said, we put it up here, look, don't worry about anything. Let your request be made known to God. Yeah, to God. But God, I tell you, all things you pray for, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatsoever thing, surely I say to you, whatever you ask, what? 
in my name he will give you. When Jesus was telling people how to address God, he never told them to call him God. Jesus never told his disciples to call God God. He said, call him Father. Call him Father. Amen. Call him Father. He is your Father. Amen. We sang the Chris Tomlin song, Become Very Pious. Come on, he's a good, good Father. He is a good, good Father. And what? We're loved by him. Amen. That's who he is. And we're loved by him. That's who we are. Amen. So God is a good father. Now look, look at now just stop and think about that. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not discrediting any other type of prayer. I'm not doing I I say, oh God, sometimes, and, and I approach God, but I try to focus on recognizing him as my father. Amen. The very first thing Jesus said, says when you pray, say, our Father. Father. Now, I, the, I, the, let me just say it again, because I'll probably make some people mad, but then we'll make you happy before we get done. Because in that many times, and we cry, oh God, oh God. And we say, if we say, oh God, seriously enough, we get his attention. And he is God but in Christ, he moved from being God, just God, that everybody else knows, just being a supreme deity, he, he transitioned. And the moment you are in Christ, he transitions from being the supreme deity to being your father. Jesus in John chapter 17 says, Father, Jesus Pray at, at Lazarus' tomb. He lifts up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. In the garden, he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. And so, if we ever stop and think, wait a minute, that's who he is to me now. Amen? My Father. And it's my prayer for you that that goes off on the inside of you. Amen? Look at the cover of your outline. There are many ways by which the true believer can draw near to God. Foremost amongst these is communion, that converse which man holds with God in which our mutual secrets are revealed. Think about that. Our hearts being open to him, his heart being manifested to us. Here it is, we see the invisible and hear the unutterable. This is a golden gate of fellowship, a royal road which our feet delight to tread. That's a compilation from Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon talking about prayer. Let us pray. And he said, and this that little introduction he gave to a message he had part of it. I pulled some statements out of that and put them together. But that's what Spurgeon, 
said was prayer. Think about it. See, this is where we begin to understand that prayer is a means of drawing near to God. Prayer is our means of drawing near to God. Amen. Prayer is talking to God. Amen. I watched the other day on Saturday, my wife and her mom talk a lot because women talk more than guys. Guys, you don't hey, what's up? Okay, everything good? Yeah, okay, bye. You know, guys, we, do, we don't, some, some guys talk more than others, but most of the time guys kind of direct to the point, doing their stuff and, and everything. But women, you just go on all day, you know. And so my wife will have her phone in, have her earbuds on, and I go, are you still on your phone with your mom? And a lot of times she's not saying nothing, so I'm not sure. But the person on the other end is doing a lot of talking. You know, and an hour later, you're still on the phone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, but listen, it's, it's a relationship, and they're in fellowship, and they're talking, and they're sharing. And that's what God wants with you. We wait until we're desperate, until we're in pain, until we're destitute, until we need a miracle. And then we call God as our get-out-of-jail-free card. Father, can you bail me out? Amen. Are we doing all right? But this is an avenue of relationship with God and drawing near to Him and having fellowship with Him and time with Him. See, Christ is our all-prevailing intercessor. And the highest place we can attain to is to be joined with Him in His work, allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to also prevail through us in the earth, pleading for men. And over the years, we've taught lots and lots of lessons on prayer, but there's something that I'm feeling that is so different in this season and uh, it really, it is all hinging around this area of learning. Um, I, I, I guess I go back and say this. I like things that work. Mm-hmm. I like it when stuff works. The most frustrating to me, thing to me is get something for a purpose, and then you go to use it, and it doesn't work. Well, I like my Christianity to work. Yes. Yes. You know? Kind of like years ago, John Wimber went, went to the, the, the guy who started the vineyard movement. He got saved, went to church, and started asking the people in church, said, when are you guys going to do the stuff? He says, what do you mean by the stuff? He says, well, when are you going to pray for the sick? When are the lame people going to walk? When are the blind eyes going to open? You know, when are you going to multiply the loaves and the fishes? The guy said, hey, 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 hey. We believe in the stuff. We talk about the stuff, but we don't do the stuff anymore. Amen. And so there's lots of, when it comes to religion, a lot, we say amen about the stuff. We believe in the stuff. We love talking about the stuff. But somewhere along the line, we ought to be dissatisfied unless we're seeing the stuff. Amen. amen. So when it comes to Christianity, I want my Christianity to be where I get to do some of the stuff. Right. Yes. I, I, I never liked watching. I want to do. I had people, you know, when, 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 uh, uh, Bob Kilpatrick here said he went up on that crane and dove off. You know, he said, I dove at the earth and didn't die. I said, that was awesome. <laughs> Amen. We were at Great America one year and they had those slingshot things where they pull you up and they tie you together and then they let you go and you come flying down. I'm watching everybody go, woo! I said, man, I don't want to watch. I want to do it. 
And so it was a three-man harness thing. So I told Sean and Tim Thompson, hey, guys, come on. I'll pay if you'll fly with me. <laughs> hey, man, I'm doing this. Who wants to fly? Okay. And then so we're up there. And it was awesome. Hey, man. So you just go for it. Yeah. You're, ah, woo. Hey, man. It is awesome. But see, there's things like that. You, you have to have some type of adventure in you. That's right. To walk in the things of God. Because people go, well, I wouldn't do the bungee. I wouldn't dive at the earth and believe to live. I would, you know, I dove at the earth and didn't die. What a great statement. I dove at the earth and didn't die. I like that. I'm going to make a t-shirt up. Whatever. That'd be awesome, man. But, but, but think about that. Walking with God. You should believe. See, to believe to do. To believe to do things with God. Look inside your outline. And just going over this quick, I want to get to this last part. And really want to get to a couple areas before that. But just review, we talked about the last couple weeks where the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus taught his disciples to pray, knowing that all other things will flow in perfection from the fountain of his presence in their lives. If we as believers can learn to enter into God's presence, everything else will flow out of that. We're, we're trying to fix all the superficial. We're trying to deal with all the symptoms instead of just getting the root right. If you deal with the cause, you remove the symptoms. Amen? If you deal with the cause, you get to the problem, you can remove all the symptoms. That's like when people come in and talk to you about the problem. They're talking about all the surface stuff. Well, let's talk about what's causing all this. Yeah. Let's get down to the cause. And if we, if we deal with the cause, you can remove all the symptoms. That's why the Bible says that the ax is laid to the root. The Word of God always goes to the root. Amen? And a lot of times that's why we don't like to pray, because we know if we get in there, the Lord's going to read our mail. He's going to talk to us about stuff, but he only does it to help us. Amen? So think about it. The reality of all he has been made unto us will flow out of being taught by him to walk with him also in the ministry of prayer and intercession. The highest thing we can do is join Jesus in the ministry of prayer and intercession. Then we found out that we're supposed to pray in spirit and in truth. That Jesus met the woman at the well and told her that God is coming and the hour is here when people must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is spirit, so our prayer must be in spirit and truth. For the highest form of our worship is our prayer. The highest form of our I love great praise and worship. I love singing. I love singing with the band. I love raising my hand. I love rejoicing in that. But that's not the highest form of worship. The highest form of worship is you in the secret place with the Father in prayer. That's your highest worship, is you in prayer with the Father. God is spirit, and God as spirit is, so, as God is, so must his worshipers be. We must worship and pray in the spirit. Think about that. Spurgeon said it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, he that prays in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. And how is it in the Spirit he speaks mysteries to God? Well, think about that. That blows my mind. That in the Spirit 
you can be praying the mysteries of heaven. Paul said that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, and then reveals them unto us. And yet today we have people say that praying in the Spirit is just letting God give you natural words. Well, anytime you want to shrink God down to where He fits between your ears, you've made Him really small. Besides that, He has to be a little bitty guy to get in there. For him to fit in your head, God has to be really small. For him to fit in your understanding. How many have grown in your understanding just a little bit since you got saved? So you find that your understanding is increasing as you walk with God. So why would you limit God to something that is always increasing? Why would you shrink him down to something that you acknowledge is growing and increasing? Why would you want to get him down in something? Anyway. All right. So because God is spirit, he is not bound by space and time, but he is infinite. But in his infinite perfection, he is always and everywhere the same. I hope you get this. Not being confined to place or form, we suffer from the confinement of place and time, even in our approach to God and our prayer. Well, I can't pray unless it's just like that. I need this environment. I need this. And I, well, then what are you going to do if you can't have that? Amen. What are you going to do? What if you're John on the Isle of Patmos and your war room's not there? Amen. What if you're Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail and there's no lights, it's not comfortable, there's no soaking music? (laughs) Wow. There's none of the stuff that we think sets the atmosphere and the tone and, and everything just right. So I need everything just so I can enter in. Oh, shh. You just messed it up. I was almost there. Now, wait a minute. I'm just saying because we get pretty goofy. And now, the minute I get there, I'm now religious. I'm not relationship. If I went to my wife and said, I just need to spend some time with you, but let's just get this mood just right. And then just, oh man. We don't do that with anything but with God. And where does this stuff come from? Where do we make this stuff up at? Because it's just made up and none of it's in the book. We're doing all right. <laughs> all right. I know kicking some sacred cows, but that's all right. They deserve to be kicked. I'm, I'm a professional cow tipper myself. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we suffer the look at God is spirit. He is everlasting. He is the everlasting, unchangeable one. What he is, he is always in every place and every time in spirit and in truth. So let me put it like that. No matter what's happening in your universe, it doesn't affect him. God is the same everywhere, all the time, infinite, beyond eternity, forever. God is unchangeable, and nothing temporal affects him. 
And when I enter into the Spirit, I enter into the unchangeable one's presence. And when I enter in the Spirit, everything temple around me has to come under the authority of His unchangeable presence. Doing all right? Okay. So, He alone is Spirit, and He alone has Spirit to give, which is why Jesus declared the promise of the Father, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, opening the door to true worship. Spirit and in truth. That's why every believer needs to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm amazed. there's such an attack against the Holy Spirit. Why is there so much attack against the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Ghost scares the hell out of the devil. That's right. The Holy Spirit, you were created to be filled with God. Eternity wants to dwell in you. God wants to live inside of you for you to be filled with the fullness of God and to be anointed with this power. The devil doesn't want that to happen. So he's created religion to handcuff and stifle and silence the Holy Spirit. Amen. Doing all right? So... We need the childlike faith of teachableness that waits upon him to instruct us. The simple faith that will yield to the breathing of the Spirit. Amen. Just to allow the Holy Spirit just to breathe into you. To breathe life into you. Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, and he walked in, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, illustrating that man now, by virtue of the blood, man now is in a position where God could breathe his life, symbolic of God breathing life back into man, and man now coming back into a living relationship with God. Doing all right? Amen. Amen. So, what? But it takes faith to believe that. Amen. It takes faith to believe that. Amen. It's funny. I I never had any of my kids come up to me and say, man, I just don't feel like Dad loves me today. Let me know what I'm talking about. We question God's love all the time. Why? Because he's not performing the way we want to because even no matter how we get, we're always spoiled, aren't we? And we always want people to perform to our standard instead of learning how to love them. Now some of this for me having uh, come from a broken relationship and not really having a, a really good father figure. It's been important to me, and that affected me a lot as a father with my children growing up. And so we're all impacted by the childhood that we had and the experiences that we have, and, and we try to overcome those and be better. Mm-hmm. It usually takes a long time. Usually by the time you get to be grandparents, you've kind of chilled out. And your kids say, how come you weren't like this when we were younger? Because I was still working through it, all right? Deal with it. <laughs> Amen. Besides that, you're taking them home. They don't live here. Amen. It's awesome. 
Hallelujah. So, but understanding God as a father and being able to flow with him and having childlike faith and just yielding to the breathing of the Holy Spirit in our life is so powerful. And Jesus tried to teach us that. And then thirdly, learning to pray with the Father in secret. And we finished here last week in talking about the secret place. The secret place is not a place. When Jesus said, we get too literal. Jesus said, when you go into your closet and pray. If you went into most Jewish homes in that day, they didn't have walk-in closets. <laughs> the average person listening to him speak, they understood he meant find a secluded place or, or time. Just get away in a private setting with God. Make it private. Make it personal. J- just think about it. Instead of a place, think about private. Think about personal. The cool thing about God and worshiping in spirit, you can be private and personable and, and, and personal in a crowd. Because you can just enter into the spirit in any place, under any condition. Amen. Because God is omnipresent. One of his attributes is that he's present everywhere all the time. Watch this. Watch this. Let me just show you. Let, let, me, let me give you every place you can have a war room. Every place, let me give you every place you could ever fathom you can have a prayer closet with God. Go with me to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Watch this. This is awesome. Verse 7. Well, let's just go back up to the beginning. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. How many of you understand that about God right now? He knows everything about you. So quit trying to fake it till you make it. It's amazing. We walk into church and we act spiritual for everybody else and God's just going, really? (laughs) Amen. Amen. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. Amen. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Wow, think about that. God is acquainted with all your ways. Don't look up right now. <laughs> he is acquainted with all your ways. For as there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high I cannot detain unto it. Now let me just go back to that. Remember what I said about tongue? People grapple with tongues so they can understand it. You try to understand that right there. All right, just moving right along. Now watch. Verse 7. Where can I go from what? Your spirit. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. People say, man, I'm going through hell. Well, God's with you right there. Just have some time in his presence. Yeah. Behold, 
you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I go to the bottom of the ocean, you are there. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall upon me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and light are both alike to you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. There you were. You could have been whooping it up in the womb. You and God were in the womb. Think about that. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Well, you know, I just need quiet. I just need this. I just... No, God is every, wherever you are in any situation. So Jesus said, when you pray to your Father, go back to Matthew chapter 6. Are you doing okay tonight? If we could revolutionize our thoughts and change our prayer life, it's amazing. Verse 5. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. And it's good to pray in a crowd, good to pray. We have corporate prayer, we do that. It's good to pray corporately. But if you're doing it so people can go, man, that was a great prayer, that's your answer. If you're praying to impress people with your prayers, that's all you get for what you said is impress people. That's what Jesus said, but they have the reward. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Now, do you get that? Pray to your Father who is, He is in the secret place. So Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room. Go into your secret place. The Father is in the secret place. And naming a place, don't, don't misunderstand me, I said it last week, my little conversation pit, that's my place. I go down there, my table's there, my chairs are there, my, my, my baskets with my piles hidden in them are in there, all my stuff is in there, all my book, my Bibles, everything, that's my place when I sit down in there, God and I have a great time together, but I also find out, like I said last week, when we go camping, when we get away, my place is at the fire ring, when we have the fire pit out there and I have my coffee, God like likes coffee in the morning. God really likes coffee in the morning and, and that. So if you just make a cup of coffee, he enjoys drinking it with you and stuff. He likes it with a little cream and sugar in it and, and uh, he likes it like that. Amen. Not too big on foo-foo, but he is good on the other stuff. He's really not a big fan of French vanilla. I found that out. But anyway, he does. <laughs> but but. <laughs> Your secret place. But see, the secret place, the secret place for you is any place you open your heart up to God. The secret place is your heart. And, and it's any time you can just open your heart up to God in quiet reverence. Your secret place, your closet is with you always. And the Father, get that, because sometimes we read it too fast, we don't read what Jesus, look at, look at it one more time. 
But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Are you getting that? He's in that place of invitation. That, 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 that private time when it's just the secret place is you and him face to face. Anytime you move into face to face communion with God, not religion with God, face to face. Amen. You know, you can, you know, phone now, you can FaceTime. I'm different. You call it and you see people. So now you're not talking, you see their face. How many when you talk to your kids said, hey, let me see your eyes? How many of you want your kids, you want to look in their eyes when they're talking? Let me see your eyes. Because you, when you look in your eyes, the eyes are the windows of your soul. And when you look in your kid's eye, you're their parent, and you see in their soul, and you say, now tell me what you were doing. <laughs> Unless they're really backslid, they'll break down. But some look like nothing. <laughs> and they're frozen. You see their eyes, they're not blinking, so you know they're lying. That frozen stare of resistance. You're fine. <laughs> Amen? So it's more than a set play. The principle we must see here is every teacher must have a classroom, and the inner chamber, if you would, is the Lord's classroom. Say, Lord, teach us to pray. You're just going to have to go to school, and he has to have a classroom, and it is your secret place. You have to be at a place where you're teachable in your prayer time with God. That means you let the teacher talk. The teacher has to talk. Amen. Tonight I'm trying to teach you. So you're listening. You have to have a prayer time with God where God gets to instruct you like this. See, part of what it does, he, he gives gift and he gives instruction to it, but then I have to be listening. Amen. You have to be a listener. The first principal thing in the closet is I must meet with the Father. How? In the secret place of inner solitude where the light of his countenance shines in my soul. If you don't feel his presence, you didn't pray. His light should shine on your soul. The very first instruction of the teacher is pray to your Father who is in secret. God is a God who hides himself from the carnal eye. As long as our worship and our prayers are cheaply occupied with thoughts of ourselves... We're not going to have relationship with him. It's only when we draw our souls away from all that is of this world and prepare to wait upon God alone that he comes and meets us in secret. A private place, hear this, of only two voices. And I said last week, that is so hard. It gets hard. Even like this, it gets harder the longer we're, we're saved. We just go to church. Do I really listen like I did when I first got saved? And, and I said it last week. I, I, I believe the devil invented cell phones. I really do. I, I believe it's a tool of the devil. I said it last week. Every one of you has your phone with you right now. Almost everybody in here will have a phone with you. And probably somewhere during the service, you've already checked in on it or something. Or you're ready, doing whatever. Now, don't, just, don't get mad at me. I'm not pointing anybody out or doing anything. But it's like I said last week. Now that we can get all these apps on there, I can, I, I can see, I can keep my phone because now it's my Bible. 
It's not my phone, but I want my Bible on there so I don't have to give up my phone. And it's more convenient than carrying. I found out something like this. There's something... I use technology. I, I love my iPad. I said it a few weeks ago. I love it. I, I love having all of the apps on there, my research, my searches. I can do all that stuff. But there's something different about a Bible, about holding this word in your hand. There's something different about holding the written word in your hand. God said, back. write the vision, make it plain so they that read it can run with it. There's something about being able to take it. God wrote his word down on tablets. He put the tablets written down. Do you understand that? And the scrolls. And Paul said, man, bring me the parchment. Bring me the letters. Bring me the writing. Bring me the paper. There's something different about it. But like I say, the key to having just a paper Bible, is that there's only, there's only one voice in this. Your phone has so many other voices. Use your phone, carry your phone, do that. But don't give up your Bible for a Bible with 50. You, you, you want to know how, how many voices your phone has in it? How many people are on your contact list? How many people, how many contacts do you have on your phone? That's how many voices you're open to if your phone is your Bible. But I take notes on my phone. Okay, cool. I say this. Get yourself a tablet. You can buy a tablet cheaper than you can get a phone. You can get to everyone take notes. Get a tablet that, that'll sync whatever operating system you have for your phone. Get a tablet, take notes on this, keep them, write it down if you're really doing that. But it's pow- notes are powerful. Yes. Amen? Lord, notes are, I love all my notes. I have them all there. Like I said last week, I'm a pilot. I have all these spiral, the, those uh, flip over spiral steno secretary notepads. I have so many of those from you. This is so much better. I'm a piler. My pile is much neater now. Okay? I have notes everywhere and stuff. I, I just do. But what I'm saying is that God, the secret place, hear me, the secret place is a place with two voices. The devil is the master of distraction. He is the master of distraction. And he is the master deceiver. And what every generation thinks, every generation thinks they're not as stupid as the last generation. Every generation thinks they're smarter than the devil. We're not dumb like they used to be. That's what we all thought about our parents. Every child thinks they're smarter than their parents. That's what adolescence is. It's the age when you're smarter than anything else alive. Amen? Spiritual adolescence is the same thing. You're smarter than any pastor. You're smarter than any teacher. You don't need to be taught anymore. You teach yourself. You don't need to be under authority. You're just a spiritual adolescent. I'm doing all right. But in dealing with that, we need so we don't need it. And the devil, the, you have to realize, the devil is the master. Just go back to the garden. He deceived Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. How much more influence does he have over you? Over uh, Do you understand what I'm saying? When Paul says give no place to the... Anytime you have to make an excuse for something... Just know you're giving place to it. I'm doing all right? 
I don't know why we're there, but because we're trying to get you back to one voice. Amen. So we're just talking about prayer. People talk about prayer. How many, how many, okay, let's just be honest. How many, when you set aside time to pray, if you don't get to that secret place, how many of your prayer time gets interrupted somehow? And you start up, man, I was going to do that. And then you hear, you, you hear some, something else. You hear something or something else breaks in. Yeah. Jesus is saying, to pray with the Father, you got to get to a secret place. Two voices, yours and his, and nobody else allowed in. If you go online, I think you can order them. You can get the Maxwell Smart Cone of Silence. (laughs) Extra large. (laughs) Amen. So what? Two voices. Why? Because the Father, verse 6, the Father who sees in secret rewards you openly. Now, let's just back up that. What if one reason we're not getting answers is because we haven't been in secret with the Father yet? The Father, go in there and see, and the Father who sees and hears in secret then rewards you openly. What a great promise, amen? Amen. But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So to get in there, I'm just trying to learn how to pray. I don't know about you. I, I said this at the beginning. This is for me. If I'm helping you, I hope so. Praise the Lord. So, so what does that mean? It means that Jesus assures us that the secret prayer cannot be fruitless. It's a blessing will show up in our life. God is a rewarder of those who seek him in the intimacy of the secret place as a child with the Father. Trust him for it. Depend upon on him prayer to the father in secret cannot be in vain he will reward you openly think about that what say to you assuredly whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you wow And then your father knows that you have need of it. There's a depth to this truth that will strengthen our faith. For we are not as unbelievers and the heathen of this world seeking to compel an unwilling God to listen. And I put it in there. I don't have time to read it because I want to get this next part real quick. And that is this. How many remember when Elijah told the prophet to Baal? This way he said, hey, let's get everybody together. We're going to find out whose God is God. And the God who answers by fire, he's God. So he says, okay, you guys go first. And he gets them all together. And they're doing all kinds of, they're going through all their gyrations. They're doing everything. They're cutting themselves and da-da-da-da-da. And if you read the Living Bible, even the Message Translation, the New Living Translation, hey, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe your God is on the phone. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe you should yell a little louder. But we think about, we go through all these things, but how many know in the secret place it doesn't have to be loud, it doesn't have to have gyrations? If Israel was my dad, and I said, hey dad, can we talk? I just came in. Oh God! Oh God! Huh? You did it, didn't you? Yeah. You go, oh man. How many know what I'm saying? 
He'd go, what are you doing? <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> he knows what you need before you ask. We don't have to go through all that. We don't have to go through all the gyrate. We don't have to cut ourselves. We don't have to yell. We don't have to go through contortion. The certainty is, is that the Father knows I'm in need of my request. Therefore, He knows I must have it. And it is His good pleasure to provide for our needs. She said, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is His good pleasure to give you it is God's pleasure Amen. to give you. Amen? Yes, sir. It's his pleasure. He knows you need it. But, but now, let me just back up. When I know that, it's like I prayed at the beginning. We're asking, we don't know what it takes to get that. Amen? We're kind of like the people, oh, we just call up and order it, and it shows up on our doorstep by magic. It just shows up there. You order it by mail. Amazon delivers. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what it takes for it to go through the order, the process, to get all this stuff, to do all this stuff, and then to be boxed, and then to be shipped, and then to be put someplace, and then to be, you know, got through shipping and receiving, going out, da 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 and then it gets on a plane, and then it flies up, and then somebody picks it, and then they start, and then they look at where it goes, and then it gets there, and then somebody puts it in the truck, and drives over, and then somebody has to get out of the truck, take it out of the truck, walk down, put it on your doorstep, and you go, man, it's a miracle. <laughs> So all that stuff went on behind the scene to get the package delivered to you, but all you know is that you made the order and it showed up. You know nothing about what happened behind it. And if there's any glitch in anything happening behind that, it's going to get delayed. If the weather's wrong, if this is wrong, if, the, if there's a bomb that goes off in this airport or that airport or doing whatever, something happens here, something happens there, da, 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 something happens. And so there's all this stuff behind the scenes. And when it comes to your answer in prayer, there's a lot of stuff going on to get it from amen and there it is. You've heard me preach before. You live between amen and there it is. That's where you live. Amen. There it is. How long does it take? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you know your father's heard you and you know there's his good pleasure to give it to you so you rest in assurance and you move on. You don't whine because it hasn't showed up yet. When do I get it? When do I get it? When do I get it? When's it going to be here? I don't understand. Why is it taking so long? I just don't understand. I just wish you would show up. Why does God take so long? How come he doesn't answer? Doesn't he know I need it now? I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Now, hey Ben, yeah. our family laughs because we have a video of when Cody was just like two and he's in his high chair. And we had the video camera, it was some family thing. We have the video camera in the corner, the old VCR, it's in the corner. You can just see the back of his head. And it's like in the kitchen there and everybody's in the kitchen walking around and I come around the corner and he's sitting in his high chair going, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and I walk by and I just go, hey, and his head goes like this. <gasps> hey, not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Amen? And sometimes you wonder why it's taking all and God just slapping you to get you out of mine, mine, mine. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Hey, wow, Dad, you hit him in the back of the head. Yeah, he deserved it. Amen. So watch this. Watch it. Watch it. If we could bring ourselves to be shut away from men, if you could bring yourself to be shut away from men and shut up with God, 
in the inner chamber of his presence, allowing the spirit of truth to perfect these lessons in us, knowing Jesus is willing to teach us to pray in spirit and in truth, and that the Father is awaiting us in the secret place of his presence, ready to hear and provide what he knows we have need of, being fully assured that he who hears in secret will reward us openly. We would find a new strength and renewed faith day by day. Amen? Why? Because he is our Father. So to approach him not as God, but as Father, this requires a paradigm shift of perception. Amen? That none have ever associated with God. Nobody had ever associated God as Father until Jesus said, one of the most revolutionary things that he said was Father. Not Elohim, not Yahweh, not Jehovah, not any of the, just Father. When Jesus talked about God, he called him Father, and he invited everybody in to that relationship. And, And it was a huge shift. And like I said at the beginning, we have to make that transition to truly pray. Go back. Teach us to pray. When you pray, say, first thing, my Father. My, who are you approaching? I'm going to pray to God. No. Yes, but no. Because God has now become your father. Why? Because when God created man in the beginning, he didn't create him so he could be up here. Adam! Adam! I am up here. You are down there. Adam! I am high above you. Wait, Adam! (laughs) No. It said in the voice of the Lord, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking with them in the garden and saying, Adam, Adam, you're not meeting me. Adam, I created you for fellowship with me. You were created. Adam, you are my first son. You are my child. You were formed from me. I am your father. God was Adam's father in the garden. Are you doing all right? And so Jesus brings us back into that voice-to-voice relationship with God. That's prayer, guys. That's fellowship. So what? In the Old Testament, he is Elohim, supreme God. Over 10,000 times, all these references for God, over 10,000 times. He is your God. He is our God. He is my God. But he is never my father. In the Old Testament. 
We find his nature and character revealed through his compound names in the Old Testament. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah our right Jehovah Makedi, Jehovah who sanctifies. And, and every time God would do something in a specific play, they would say, he is Jehovah this. He, is, he, he did something specific, and, and, and they added that compound. So he revealed a portion of his character through provision and necessity in their life. And they said, oh, God is this. He, th- this is who he is, and this is what he does on behalf of his people, so his compound names declared his character and his nature towards men. He is Jehovah Makedesh, the, the Jehovah who sanctified Jehovah Salom. He is our peace. He is Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah is there. He is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah heals. He is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah's provision shall be seen. He is Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah is my banner, my covering. He is Jehovah Roha, my shepherd, the one who leads me and guides me, declaring his benefits to us concerning spirit, sin, spirit, soundness, success, and security. He is all those things in his compound name, but he is not Father. He's God, but not Father. Now watch this. Before Christ, he could be our God, but not our Father. Until redemption would come through the seed. Now our relationship is changed. Jesus knew why he was here, where he was going, and that because of Calvary, we would be able to call God once again our Father. That we once again would be able to be as in the beginning, the people of his voice, not just through the prophets, but in a loving, living relationship with our Father. Jehoshaphat said, hey, what's the word of the Lord? Go get me a prophet. So they get the prophet, and they bring in Elisha, Elisha, well, this is the word of the Lord. So to get the word of the Lord, you had to get somebody who could get the word of the Lord. You could have to get somebody. The prophet, priest, and the king were the only ones who were anointed by God. But today, you're anointed by God. The whole house is anointed. The whole family is anointed. The whole, every person can have the voice of God. That's why I tell people, if you go have somebody prophesy over you, it better be confirmation to what God's voice already said to you. This is not the day where you need a prophet to tell you what to do. Prophets bring confirming words. Are you doing all right? Not unrevealed words. If it's an unrevealed word to you, just like shelf that sucker. Amen. I, I have to quit, but I, I shared in our testimony about us coming here. Two years before we came here, we're here visiting. Channel 62 used to be right over here in Diamond Springs, but, but, but down in the buildings down there where, where, where the, 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 the dump is right now. And, and we went over there, went on a, on a, on a TV program. Pastor Doug and Janice are, are in Abundant Life, and, and they're there. We're down hanging out with them for a school convention. We're driving back to Sacramento after being doing this TV program up here, preaching and singing and doing stuff. And, and we pull off to get gas on Ponderosa Road. Road. We're pulling across the way to go into Gold Harvest Market. Doug goes, Dawn, I feel like God wants me to prophesy. I said, go ahead. He says, I'm just going to, you and Sue are going to be in the Sacramento area and, and build a work for God. I said, that's not God. That's not good. That's not God. That's not God. Whatever. Because <laughs> God hadn't said anything to me yet. It hadn't been confirmed to me. I hadn't heard anything about it. So if you prophesied to me something I hadn't heard, nothing, that's not God. So I just, I, I disregard it completely, 100%. I did. 
Two years later, Sue and I were here. We had moved here. Through, through the, I can't tell you, but through the whole course of events. And we're pulling into Gold Harvest Market to get some gas. And I said, and the Holy Ghost goes, hey, remember that not God word? Amen. <laughs> and I told her, I said, honey, this is crazy. I said, this is where Doug prophesied. Oh, that's awesome. Amen. But see, I heard that voice, but I, I was hearing the voice of God and it was leading me and directing me. And then that word became a confirming. That's what I mean. The prophetic word should be a confirming word. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that prophetic word became a confirming word. And when you have the voice of God, you, you, you'll be being led by the Spirit. And you show up in that place. And if it was the word of the Lord, then, then it'll bring confirmation at the time that it's supposed to. Are you with me? All right. And see, you get those words not by chasing them, but by chasing God. Do you understand that? I know a lot of people chasing prophetic word. I need, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. I, I get a word for you. It's called B-I-B-L-E. Live in it. Are you doing all right? <laughs> See, the people said, why am I saying that? People say, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Are too lazy to read their own Bible. They want somebody to get a word for them. Still living in an Old Testament prophecy mentality. The Old Testament prophets were for people who couldn't get the word for themselves. Jesus said, hey, your father is waiting for you in the secret. I referenced it last week. The reference is, well, wait a minute. Israel, you're God's favorite son. If you ask God for me, he will answer you. We ask... But see, we think other people have better position with the Father than we do. We discredit our sonship. We call ourselves second-class children. That we're the, we're, we're, we're the unwanted stepchild mentality. We're the overlooked one. You need to get I'm his favorite mentality. That's right. You need to believe you're an only child. Are we doing all right? Yeah, I was trying to help you. Well, oh, I have people that, Pastor, can you pray God hears you? What does that mean? Do, 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 do we think about what we say when we say? Because there's something behind what we're saying to think I need somebody else to pray because God would hear them more than he would hear me. I don't have a revelation of my father who is waiting for me in the secret place. Because Jesus said this. Jesus has simply said this. He says, if two of you will just agree. Jesus taught the power of agreement, not the power of replacement. He didn't say get somebody to pray for you. But when we pray one for another and we do that, we're to pray, we're to intercede, we're to care, we're to bear one another's burden. But when it comes to prayer, everybody has the same access. Jesus is equally the same Savior. You're equally the same child. Everybody is in Christ equally. Amen. Can I help Amen. you this evening? Amen. So to think, man, I just, I can't. And so then my faith, I know that God is waiting for me in the secret place. He wants to hear me, and he delights in giving me his kingdom. Think about it. 
in the New Testament, he's referred to as Theos 1,325 times. But he's also referred to as Father, or Father is mentioned 311 times, but 261 times it's in reference to God as our parent and our Father. What does that mean? It means that he has made a declaration of ownership over our creation. What does that mean? It means that dad, your father, your heavenly father, took the DNA test and you're his kid. That's right. He took the test, you're his kid. He can't deny you're his child. God says, you're my child. I am your father. Are you with me? I'm your father. What does that mean? Look at it. I put it in here for you. That means he accepts the responsibility of fatherhood over us. Parental covering, provision, protection, guidance, care, with an inheritance. Glory to God. Woo! My pastor friend, Larry Father, Larry Spivey says, I have a rich father. <laughs> How you been? Any delights in me as his child? Father, I thank you this evening for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, the eyes of our understanding would be opened and enlightened, God. That we would fully comprehend that we are your children and you are our Father and that you are awaiting us in the secret place. You delight in meeting with us there. You delight those moments that we give to you with just your voice and ours. The secret place of two voices. A father and a child. The place where we hear Your voice. We see invisible things. We hear unknown things. You reveal yourself to us in your love. Father, I pray for your people tonight. That they would know you in truth. They would walk with you. They would believe in your favor upon them. In fullness in every area of their life, that you have declared your parental responsibility over them, and you delight in providing for every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus.